Welcome to the Apple of Truth, a podcast where we cover every single episode of the TV show Lucifer while praising the great parts and pointing out the bad parts and diving deeper than you ever knew you needed. Join us for the climax of the show, if you know what we mean. I'm Vero. And I'm Lena. And this is Season 6. Today we're talking about episode 8, Save the Devil, Save the World, which can be read as a reference to Heroes, where a recurring line is, Save the cheerleader, save the world. Did you watch Heroes? I think I've seen the first, like, four episodes. Watch the first season and then just stop. Like, the rest is okay, but season one is the best. Okay, I was considering watching it fully. I know that I've caught a few episodes on telly and it was like, oh, this seems like a fun TV show. But at the time, times were different. <laughs> you didn't have streaming. You had to download everything. And I was at the time, I'm pretty sure I was watching as it was coming out at least four or five different TV shows. So I would have to add it to my roster. And I never actually ended up doing that. Oh, I binged the entire thing over a long weekend with a friend. So season one is the best. The rest is okay to watch. But season one is the bee's knees. But we're talking about Lucifer this time, and this episode I summarized as goes. Linda's book takes center stage to provide us with a flare of nostalgia and flashbacks. Lucifer's growth is questioned but ultimately proven, while the fate of the world still hangs in limbo. That makes it sound way more poetic than it actually ended up being. Yes, I know. <laughs> proud of you. I'm a bit proud. So for my obsession of the week, I have decided to use a word that Lucifer used, and it is wingtuation. Okay, I went with fixing his wings, and I do count this as a match. It is definitely a match, and I kind of half knew that you would never, ever, ever use this word, so... I considered using performance issues, just because he was so incredibly offended when Linda draws the parallel, even though it's such an obvious parallel. I know, right? This puts us at three out of eight episodes. So in theory, we can still make our 50% margin. We should. We have two more episodes, and if we match both times, then we have managed to keep our quota. Fingers crossed. We'll see how it goes. It is time for the facts and funs. Our usual three are... Drumroll! First time director D.B. Woodside! Whee! That explains why he wasn't in the episode. This is his second ever directing credit. He did a short movie in 2007 called First Period that he also wrote. Third time writer Ayana White. Previous episode was Resting Devil Face with a Taylor Play credit. First episode was It Never Ends Well for the Chicken with a Writing credit. This is her last episode. Obviously, this is also the only directing credit for D.B. Woodside. And thirdly, the title is said by Lucifer, making me also lose Woo! our claim that we made in the beginning of the season. <laughs> because we are now at four out of eight. So he is still in the lead and he has proven both of us wrong. We will smash it. We better. Then... As per usual, we have some IMDb facts, and let's say some of them are very IMDb, even more so than usual. Some are actually really helpful. 
Chloe mentions how the murderer in her case was the first person with whom they spoke, and both Lucifer and Chloe seem shocked by this. This is a satirical call-out to the fact that most murderers in this show are the first person to whom the detectives talk. Also, it's a thing. It's like a literal thing. It's a trope. Yeah. Scooby-Doo for the win. Mace says to Dan that she didn't traipse over to be your Whoopi Goldberg. This is, of course, a reference to the movie Ghost, in which Goldberg was a medium who could see and converse with Patrick Swayze, who had been murdered and was a ghost, who then proceeded to have sex with Demi Moore. Spoiler alert. That movie is ancient. No. (laughs) Speaking of ancient, something I missed, and I should have known this, on Ella's whiteboard, there is a reference to Gilligan's Island. The TV series. Yeah. Because the article, Day Cruise Disappears on Three Hour Tour, is a reference to Gilligan's Island. And then we have one absolutely weird IMDb claim that, in my opinion, is completely bullshit, but I want to conclude it just because of the weird hilarity of it. Mace is called away from her honeymoon with Eve to help solve the issue of the episode. When she enters Lux, she is obviously cosplaying as Chloe, with blonde hair and blue eyes, including their distinctive red undershading. What? Right? This makes no sense. I don't know who wrote this. You you started speaking about cosplaying and I'm like, yeah, yeah, she's cosplaying some sort of anime or something. And then you said Chloe and I'm like... What? This is so fucking weird. And this concludes the facts and funs. All right. Meaty episode ahead. And (laughs) that's what she said. My God. This went there real fast. So we need to stop that with previously on Lucifer. Eve and Mace got married, Ella got drunk, revealed she knows about the divinity and the world is ending. Dan is still a ghost and he is struggling. Ames is an angel who's been very distracted by working as a police officer. Linda is a therapist who's been very distracted by writing a book. Chloe has decided to go back to LAPD. And Lucifer is about to become a god. He's about to become god, but otherwise this is perfect. I feel like this is one of your best yet. I like when it kind of gets into the rhythm of and this one does this and this one does this and this one does this and it just kind of works. And sometimes it's planned and sometimes it just kind of starts happening and I'm like, you know what? Let's lean into that. I think this is one of my favorite ones so far. Mm. We can do a poll of who can vote which previously on is their favorite and then they can vote which IMDb wild fact is their favorite. (laughs) Oh my God. We are coming into this scene directly from the wedding. So everybody's kind of like slightly disheveled and still wearing their nightwear. Ella is still probably just now sobering up, wearing her really beautiful red dress and everything. And Lucifer starts pointing out things because they're all looking at the whiteboard and he starts pointing out things like, you know, maybe I get that the plane crashes are a weed thing, but... The mosquitoes and the hiccups, are you sure? Which, fair, fair enough. But as Ella makes a very good point, if you lose one species, you lose the whole planet, which I think, I'm not sure if that's 100% about mosquitoes as well. I only know it with the bees, yeah. We can talk about the bees, yeah, exactly. Maybe mosquitoes are Lucifer's version of the bees. Damn, I could have done my devils in the details on the relevance of mosquitoes to the ecosystem. Well, there you go. Fuck. Now I have something for the switcheroo. <laughs> 
That is true. Maybe I have held that information back on purpose. I would be so angry. I am not that devious. No, and then they talk about it. And, and then, of course, Amenadiel has to make it about himself. Because he goes, <laughs> how can I not have noticed this? How is Lucifer supposedly the selfish one? I do not understand. No, no, no. The thing is, Lucifer used to be self-centered, but Amenadiel has always had the issue of being too focused on himself. True. No, but then... Chloe tries to be nice and she's like, oh, but none of us noticed. And I, in my head, was like, Ella noticed. And she goes like, well, I did. And I love that she is like, yeah, you guys are doing the classic mistake. Ignore the scientist. She is the best advocate for herself in this episode in general. And she proves it time and time again because she really, really does stand up for herself. Yeah, and I'm really, really proud of her. But I'm also pretty impressed by Amy Garcia because every single time there's a new tiny bit of information dropped that Ella could not have known before, she is as surprised as she was the very first time. It is so hilarious because Ella is still missing so many key information tidbits, like the whole Chloe dying and God having left the building and blah, blah, blah. Most of those things come up later on when she reads the book. But it's still like, oh my god, girl, you have so many open questions that you are not even aware of yet. And Amy really kills it every single time. She goes like, seriously? There's more? (laughs) I love that about her. It's so good. But this brings us into the big majestic speech between Ames and Lucifer when we transition onto the roof. Where Lucifer is epically standing on the railing about to ascend the throne of heaven and his wings don't come out which is such an obvious erectile dysfunction parallel so when later on linda makes that parallel and he's so offended i was like really how can you not instantly see that this is exactly this is performance anxiety this is lucifer though this is absolutely lucifer i mean i get that he as this over sexually active creature that he has been portrayed as before falling in love with chloe maybe never had performance anxiety or performance issues or anything but this is performance issue so he does the whole shoulder thing and Ella's like "Eh, what the fuck's happening and then we kind of get him getting the head start and everything oh it was so cringy it was very cringy is a good word for it and Chloe's like what if it's the self-actualization and I'm like doy obviously it is yeah and seriously I'm with Amenadiel we don't have time for this but like also I'm with with Amenadiel when he says I can't can't fly you up there because you clearly don't have your shit resolved so I'm gonna go ahead and and figure this out and he does this really beautiful like run and jump and roll and the only thing I could think of was like what if his wings don't show up either (laughs) is he just gonna splatter on the floor on the ground obviously we only do this in this way so Ella can worry for him for a second because he has never ever started flying like this ever none of them ever have done this this is so over the top the slow mo when she looks over the and he turns around. I mean, it is cool as fuck. It's beautiful. You know, my theory is that he's doing it because this is his, like, a warrior cool mode, which he hasn't selected in a while. No, no, no. You know why he's doing this? Because he is aware that this is going to be the first angel Ella 
will ever see. And this is a memory that will always stay so, so brightly in her mind. And he had to make sure that he does the coolest possible revelation. Yes brought her to tears but then she looks so unhappy before the scene ends in the beginning she's like oh wow wow and then her smile goes away from her face and she does not look happy at all i think it's because she realizes that all of this has been happening around her and nobody but she already knew that yeah but it's different when you see it for the first time as a real thing it's one thing theorizing about it. Do you think this was the final proof that even though she had all the data, now she had the final visual proof that she has been right and they all have been lying by omission to her? Yeah, I think so. That is a good explanation. I can go with that. Yeah. Next up, we go to Linda's. And first and foremost, I want to say go Linda! That sommelier is a hug. Indeed. No, I love that she finds out that the world is ending. And first thing she does is she sleeps with a hot guy. Tap that ass. Also, I assume they hired a babysitter for Charlie for the entire night. Yeah, it's the wedding. They weren't going to take him to the wedding anyway, so it makes sense. Maybe Charlie is with Ariana. Oh, yeah. Some uh, brother-sister bonding time. That would make sense. Because that way it's someone they trust and... Yeah. So... Yeah, she is very naked and and her companion is also very naked. I mean, at least he has a towel around his hips, which to me means that they got done and the dude went to shower, which I appreciate it when people take care of themselves. Exactly. So Lucifer doesn't care about any naked bodies. He is way too preoccupied. He does not get distracted by naked people. He's seen that before, so... Oh, no, not the sommelier. No, but you've seen one, you've seen all. Sorry, that wasn't nice. And he goes on and says the biggest lie he's ever said. One final therapy. This time for real. Well... Is it a lie, though, if you consider the entire episode one therapy session? Well, yes, but I don't think this is the last time he's going to come up to Linda and ask her to help. No, but I think this is actually really the conclusion of his therapy. He might once in a while still go to her for like singular sessions. But I feel like his regular therapy is actually done with the realization of his own not wanting and awareness that he doesn't know what he actually wants. Well, fine. I can accept that as an explanation. But he said this before, is my point. Yeah, but he never had such a relevant realization at the very end. True that. And of course, I was as doubtful as you, but I feel like at the end of the episode, this actually makes sense. Because my question in this situation was, will Lucifer actually listen to her this time? Because that is going to be a necessity for this to be the final therapy. And well, in a way he does, because he listens to her writing. He learns a lot from her writing and those are basically her written down words. So in a way he listens to her. We of course get the title card here and then we cut over to her therapy office. And this is already the second time in this episode where I asked myself something aloud and then the character on screen says exactly what I said to myself, which was, why are they going to her office? And then Linda asks, why are we going to my office? And I'm like, thank you, Linda. There is a lot of very good questions in this episode and this is definitely one of them. I tell you why. We need to be in her office so she can consult her book and Lucifer can notice it. So... 
I feel like sympathy for the devil, my time with Lucifer Morningstar, is something that she's been sitting on for a while and I feel like she is maybe subconsciously ready to share it or share its existence rather than the content because she very willingly starts taking it out in front of Lucifer. Because she is still half asleep and probably also still slightly drunk. Because she also was drinking at the party. So she is not firing on all cylinders right now. And she's like, okay, I need to find an answer. The world is apparently potentially ending and I need my notes. And so she just gets her notes out. And obviously he notices. I don't understand how she is surprised that he's asking what this is. Because he's Lucifer, you know. But yeah, I love the moment with the... Well, this is not the entire book. This is just one chapter. And then her getting out the rest. Because it's a nicely thick book which makes sense because there's five and a half seasons of content. I was very skeptical in this moment because this was clear to me, okay, this is going to be a flashback episode. And I was very skeptical because usually flashback episodes seem a bit wasteful to me, especially in a short season, because it is content that we already have seen. But it worked for me in this context because we get the different interpretations or readings, rather, of the different scenes. And so while there was not much new information gained, it wasn't boring because it wasn't the same thing we've already seen and also it was very necessary to have the exposition happen for Ella so usually I'm very apprehensive on flashback episodes but this one worked for me yeah it is a very elegant way to get Ella caught up on every single detail of what she's been missing out on so we need a bigger office we're gonna need a bigger office and more readers was my assumption and I was right Yeah, so we go to Lux with a song. I assume we don't get a song in every Lux scene when we cut back from flashbacks. No, we don't. (laughs) We do get a few of them, but not in all scenes. This one is called Take a Few More Steps by Randolph Brown and Company. And we get to see the sleepover readiness of Ella. And I say I want to have a sleepover with Ella because I can't imagine how much fun that's going to be. I feel calling this a sleepover is very Ella, but it is so incredibly incorrect. Oh yeah, (laughs) no one's sleeping. This is not a fucking sleepover. This is a study group. Might be a better way to put it, yeah. So yeah, I was a bit confused as to why everybody was still basically in their pajamas and whatever they were wearing right now. It's really just put on actual clothing and get into study mode. This is a very German approach. No, this is fun. (laughs) And later, if they save the world, they might have a pillow fight. Oh my god, the look that Lena just gave me. (laughs) I'm sorry, I've watched too many bad porn movies and pillow fights are... um, A thing? A gateway, let's put it that way. I have a question about this scene. Why didn't Maze bring Eve? Because I feel like their night is already ruined and does Eve have something else to do than help with the end of the world? Because they couldn't get in bar. That's the only answer why Eve isn't there. And I'm absolutely sad about that as well. It just doesn't make complete sense to me because I feel like she would definitely want to get involved in something like this. And she knows everything anyway and she actually is really surprised supportive of Lucifer and yada yada yada. And her night is already ruined. Mace isn't there. Yeah, it makes no sense at all. Except for the technical point of view, yeah. Because this was COVID, right? Yes, this would be COVID, yeah. So I assume the less people on set, the better. And 
Also, as per usual, money issues. But yeah, I was very, very sad. I mean, we could put it on a question list, but the answer is so obvious, I feel. Yeah, but we could try to find a uh, in-show reasoning for her not to be there. Oh, that is very simple. Mace tied her to the bed and didn't want to undo all the knots. So she just leaves her there for hours. Maybe they're not practicing safe, sane, consensual wreck, but uh, some more extreme form of kink. I don't know. Maybe she's having a conversation with Adam. Oh my god, on their wedding night? Well, the night is already ruined. It's like, hey Adam, Maze had to go save the world. Do you want to come over and have a chat on my wedding night? That doesn't sound like invitation for sex at all. I mean, there's literally no other character that could be hanging out with her right now. Trixie? No, Trixie's with a babysitter. Oh yeah, true. Seriously, the only option is uh, either Maze uh, marked her up so much that she rather takes a nap before she gets back so that she can like recover a bit. But yeah, no, I, I don't have any good reason. Sorry. Ah, uh, it's a shame. The only thing is she was tied to the bed. That's all. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So Mace shows up and she is dressed up in some, I assume, cosplay stuff. I did not recognize the character from anything, but then I'm also not really all that up to date with anime and stuff at the moment. What I noticed was that she has blue contacts and blonde wig, which definitely means something. She also has like a kitten as a belt. On her belt, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. If any of our listeners know if that is a specific character that she is cosplaying as, I would absolutely love to know. If we don't get any answers, I kind of feel like I would want to ask Leslie Anders. Yeah, let's. Let's put it on the list. Yeah, unless, of course, someone provides us with the information. We get the title drop! Before we go, Dad, there's one thing I really want to point out, and that is Dan and Ella saying the exact same thing without Ella being able to hear Dan. Did you notice that? No. Because he says something, uh, yeah, because you tell people that they can trust you, but uh, not actually true, blah, blah. And then Ella is like, yeah, because you tell people. And I was like, oh, wow. Oh, they're, they're actually saying the exact same thing. Because Maze like, looks at Ella like, you can't hear him. Like, what? <laughs> Okay, I completely missed that. I just noticed the whole Whoopi Goldberg reference and stuff. Whoopi Goldberg is later. Oh, okay. So that's why. That's why I, I just completely missed this bit. Okay, so that's on me. Sorry. <laughs> I was probably writing something down and thinking about Eve. That was really great for me that Dan and Ella are so in sync that they're actually saying the, thinking and saying the same shit. Now we go into the flashback. Wee! The first one is happening. And oh, this one is a fucking dumpster fire of a thing it's so cringy it's so cringy and it's so extreme everything is so extreme the thing is later on we see that who is reading actually heavily influences how a flashback is presented so chloe is the one reading this and do you remember how bad she was at being undercover and stuff like that so it kind of makes sense to me that she is so stilted and over the top in giving the performances for everyone because she is reading all the characters so it's her emulating all these characters so much over the top is it though the text is identical but how it is presented depends on the reader yes but i thought that because there is a lot of even in the text it's just so extremist and you don't really get any details so what i kind of thought about this specific scene as is a beginning to introduce our characters it's very without any details you just have like a science mumbo jumbo happy t-shirt which by the way i want that t-shirt yes me too also the fact that it's black and white only it's like amazeballs seriously we need that for a photo of yes let's get a 
picture with Amy and have all the t-shirts. Happy t-shirt. Seriously, that is the best t-shirt that I want. Better than all the others, I want happy t-shirt. I want other t-shirts specifically. I want the one that's at the very end that we've talked about. But yes, this one is great and we're gonna do a photo op. I mean, every single person in this scene is a parody of themselves. I'm fully with you. It's a very sitcom-y moment. It's also incredibly cringy and painful. Like this made me physically uncomfortable. That's what I said, it's very sitcom-y. But I can't help but think, because we get this explicit comparison with Dan and Mace, how much the person reading the scene is influencing the presentation, that I kind of have to fault Chloe for being, I mean, Hot Top High School was quite a long time ago. <laughs> I don't think, I don't think so. That's okay. That's my headcanon. Yes, this shall remain your headcanon. I love that we get the callback to the severed head in this flashback because we've mentioned this before. There is multiple occasions of Dan getting a severed head to the precinct. I love her scream and Ella holding her ear closed <laughs> because she she knows it was going to happen. Oh my God. It's amazing. We go out of the flashback and Ella is absolutely right that all of this is an incredibly shallow representation of her but actually all of them. But this, in my opinion, shows how Lucifer's focus and priorities usually are because he is usually mostly focused on Chloe and this feels to be quite early on in the show because Dan is still a corrupt cop. So this has to be season one too. And back then, Mace was completely still obsessed with sex and violence. So that made sense that this would be the description of Mace for Lucifer. And he didn't have an established connection with Ella yet. So that also made sense. So while it is a super shallow summary and representation, it's also kind of accurate when it comes to how Lucifer experienced his world. Yeah, especially at the beginning. To me, it was just bad writing on Linda part. I just blamed Linda for this. But that's the thing. Lucifer does not contradict the dialogue that is being read. So I feel like these are Lucifer's words. This is how he described experiencing it. Yes, however, I don't think that that makes Linda a good writer. Oh, no, 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 no. But I feel like the combination, like it's... Yeah, it's like a combination of Chloe being the one reading it, Lucifer being the one saying it, and Linda being the one writing it is what makes the whole cringy situation. It's the fucked up trinity of cringe, cringe, cringe. Cringe, cringe, cringe. Cringe, cringe, cringe. You haven't watched Crazy Ex-Orphan because there's a song. I do the cringe. <sighs> yeah, sounds about right. It's been a while since I said that. Uh, yeah, only like two episodes. Yeah, it's been a while. It is also kind of weird that Chloe is defending this representation of herself because it's flattering to her and I would not peg her as a, someone who can be so subjective about something like this. I feel like she's also trying to defend Lucifer a bit. Yeah, that's fair enough. But also she comes off really, really well in this bit. Yeah, I mean, she does. I like that it gets acknowledged later on. So at this point, we kind of move over in detail to Lucifer and Ella discussing a little bit more of the book and we get a song playing underneath this it's a really nice jazzy song by terry timmons called somebody will understand which is also the song that i'm covering for my devils in the music 
Terry Timmons, please Google her. She is very cool and she does not get enough praise. Also, why are men? Also, why are men? While the conversation between Lucifer and Ella happens, we see that Chloe seemingly is starting to get very distracted by the reading. And I was getting extremely apprehensive because of that. I was like, if she is that focused on the reading, she must have latched on to something. And I was sure that this could not be anything good. Yeah, especially with Linda being so... uh, Oh, actually, I'm so glad that I have rational and reasonable Chloe here. And I'm like, this is gonna backfire. But before we actually... I don't want to move away from Ella and Lucifer too fast. Just want to point out one thing. I love that Ella is taking this opportunity as an education experience. Because good on her, we've mentioned it before. But they end their conversation with her starting muttering to herself in Spanish and Lucifer goes like not with the Spanish and it's just so funny to me because this is just a beautiful like a sibling relationship that they have and you can see how deeply they care about each other because they get so petty and upset with each other about these tiny little things so you deeply care about your sister is that what I said yeah pretty much with how deeply petty and upset they get with each other (laughs) so rational and reasonable Chloe right um (laughs) nice nice Nice. I mean, this is your episode to edit. You can just delete this if you want. No, you're absolutely right. And it's a really beautiful moment. It just shows the relationship. We get Reasonable Chloe and then we go over to Mace and Dan. And Mace is apparently reading aloud. She is, yes. Is Mace not like a great reader? Maybe she's not. Okay. Like, I mean, it kind of makes sense. I, I, she's She's a demon. Why would she need to read? In English. No, in general, I don't feel like books were a big part. Like movies, definitely. But I, it kind of matched. And I like that she's like, hey, do I need to speed up, slow down? And he's like, no, no, it's okay. So let's go into the flashback for Mace and Dan. This was, again, physically painful to me, especially Dan's version of this scene. And I was so confused in the beginning how it would be possible to have two versions of this scene when they're both reading the same page. And then I realized... It is the identical text. Yes, it is. Yeah. And then, of course, it makes perfect sense. And I actually really, really love this idea. It's very good. And it's so funny. And the both Leslie Ann and Kevin fucking murder both of these scenes. And they must have been so much fun. And then at the very end of Dan's version, she crosses herself. Yes, it makes no sense. It makes zero sense. It's perfect that was an acting choice that she made and i love it so much she plays the distressed damsel very very well which i did not see coming so props there but seriously this scene was so cringy in both directions this episode is the cringe in many many regards and the sound of the rewinding tape when they redo the scene it's just like are we actually in a sitcom right now yes we are which is why it is so cringy and then we go back into the Lux reality and he goes, well, you have your reality and I have mine. And I can live with that. I can live with the fact that he is making a few adjustments to deal with certain things. But of course, most importantly, we now once again have a character saying something that in this case, both of us have been pointing out for quite a while, which is that Dan got fucked over by not having his hell loop. And that his hell loop would be what helps him identify his guilt. So thank you, Mace, for confirming what we have 
been saying all along. But she is a great friend. And so she, of course, says, I'm going to torture your ass right into heaven. And I mean, if that isn't true friendship, what is? I know. Isn't it beautiful? I love that they are also addressing not just the fact that Lucifer screwed him over, but we get to actually know what was happening in the meantime, because we have talked about this, what was happening in his hell loop before Lucifer took him out, because it took a while, especially in hell time. So I am very happy and comfortable with the explanation that he was just reliving his death over and over and over again, because that's where his guilt started. And then eventually he would have moved on closer to the core of the problem. And also it fits with Lee. Exactly. Lee also relived his getting murdered as the first layer. Exactly. And then eventually you just have to go deeper because in my head it makes sense because if the guilt about this gets, say, boring or repetitive, you're going to go deeper to find something you feel something else you're feeling about. Not boring or repetitive, but if you have come to terms with the fact that you actually died. Yes, this is kind of my way of trying to... I'm giving it a nicer way of describing it than... (laughs) growing bored of dying yeah basically (laughs) when you come to accept that you are now indeed dead exactly you get to move on to other parts of your torture yeah which is nice right sure it's good for you (laughs) oh my god rondo no we go over to lucifer and ella again and ella is still incredibly hurt by everything and lucifer points out that he always told her the truth but he omitted a few Thanks. And the thing is, I am with Ella that you guys let me believe this. This goes all the way back to season one where I was very, very insistent on saying Lucifer might, when he says something, always tell the truth. But he does lie by omission. And quite a lot, actually. Which makes sense. And I feel like at the end of the episode, Ella actually comes to realize that. But in this moment, she is so deep in her emotions. And Lucifer, because sometimes he's just a sweet little idiot, does not read the room and he drops Ray Ray. He name drops Ray Ray. And that is seriously just a bit much because Ella thought that she was, quotation marks, crazy as a child. But this nonchalance that Lucifer has like, oh, well, you've always been friends with the angel of death. But he didn't know she hasn't read it yet. It's in the book. Still, even if she had already read it, dude, this is not something that you go like, ha ha ha, how funny. This severely fucked her up for quite a while so a tiny bit more empathy would be nice even if the world is ending I think that it's better for her to get all the information all at once including all the other details that is not my problem I don't have the problem with the information dump I have a problem with the missing empathy that he's like ha 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 how funny and it's like no he's hugging her when he says that yes and he says like well but you've always been like that you know what I get it because I also like to make jokes when... uh, You're deeply uncomfortable? No, when someone is down (laughs) because I'm trying to bring the mood up. I'm trying to distract them a little bit from the terrible thing that is happening to them. I'm very bad at these situations, but I understand where Lucifer is standing and why he's saying it the way he does. I feel like when you're the cause of someone else's distress, making jokes and trying to make light of it is actually really disrespectful. And so I'm not a fan. I get where it's coming from because humor is a very, very standard tool to like make a situation lighter. But her main issue is that they basically lied to her for years and she feels used and cut off from everyone else. And jokes are simply not the way to go in that moment, I feel. And she does react very badly to it. Anyway... 
I have my views on this and you have yours. So we're like Dan and Mace. You have your reality and I have mine. Basically, basically. That's very well said. Before we go to the next flashback, uh, Linda says something that I couldn't place. Because we go over to Linda in Lux. And she is with Chloe again with the papers. And Linda says that they would rather complain about the book than save the world. And that sentence made zero sense to me. Because nobody's complaining about the book. Who's complaining about the book? Well, they were mainly complaining about what Lucifer said. Yeah. And then everybody got to work and is now trying to find source material, information, whatever, to help Lucifer get over his performance issue. So I don't really understand the whole rather complain about the book than save the world. No. I think for obvious reasons, Linda is just being very self-conscious about everybody reading her work and apparently her biggest professional accomplishment, as she calls it, which... To me, that's what I didn't really understand. But I think that she is genuinely at this point just like, oh no, I'm so self-conscious. So she is looking for the negative and she is trying to throw it off as, oh, people are complaining and they're not, you know, using it for what they were supposed to be using it for. The only reason they're reading it because they wanted to save the world with it and now they can't because they are too busy complaining. And I think that she's just self-conscious. Okay, that does not... Make me happy, it makes no sense to me. Okay, now we can go into the flashback. This is something, by the way, uh, this is one of the few details that were just like, but no, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Like, why would she be so weird about this, one? And two, why would she call it her biggest professional accomplishment? I can answer that. I can answer both, actually. She makes such a big deal of it because publishing a case study about your patient actually is a huge thing in the psychiatric community. So if she had been able to actually published this book, this would have been absolutely groundbreaking. This book had the potential of being her biggest professional um, accomplishment. So from a, a scientific point of view, that actually makes sense. Like uh, Freud did a few published case studies, because this nearly was one of my uh, devils in the details, but I didn't find enough legal information on how the whole process works, because it's so fucking different from country to country. And as to why is she so self-conscious about it? Now, I can also answer that, because at the very end of the episode, she hands down um, the bad ending because she is of the opinion that she has failed as a therapist. So all of them reading the book leads up to all of them realizing that she in her own experience now is a shit therapist that she has failed that she is a failure and this is why she is so incredibly self-conscious about them reading her book okay you know what i will now answer your questions of why is she saying that everybody's complaining about the book instead of saving the world because this is what she's doing she is complaining within herself she's focusing more on herself and the book from her point of view rather than trying to use it to save the world so she's projecting yes nice okay i can deal with that we helped each Cheddar. Love it. We solved the case. Yay. Yay. All right. Now into the flashback. And it is actual flashbacks this time. Yeah. Yeah. Like we, we get all these flashbacks and then we get the Rory. He's never there. He wasn't at your deathbed. Yes. And then she ends this with he's never there. And the thing is, she's not wrong. She is definitely not wrong. No. There have been so many times where he left Chloe. But, and correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like this is only the case before she knew the truth about him. Once she learned about the whole he is the actual devil, that never happened. Again, it was only before she knew the truth. There was not a single flashback from past this. Yep, that sounds about right. And this is what gave me the trust that this is a behavior that would never come up again. 
Because in the past, it was always in relation to her not knowing, him not being able to be fully honest with her. But from the moment onwards that he had the option, the capability of being completely honest with her, he never abandoned her, ever. Yeah, that's a good point. I actually really like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was lovely. We move over for a second to Mace trying to figure out Dan's guilt. That is so good! Very, very good. And she goes... For the classic, so how about your mother? I mean, how about your parents? Uh, how about your siblings? Low-hanging fruit. It's right there. I mean, why not start with the basics? Just to rule it out. But seriously, it sounds like Dan has amazing parents. The Denimo Crackers, they're sponsoring an improv troupe in his honor. Or in his memory. They're so proud of him. It's so cute. Dan sounds like he has really good parents. Absolutely. And then she brings up Ella. And the fact that he's not able to be there for her going through the struggle of finding out. To be fair, he only had one possibility to actually talk to her about this. And we pinged it when they were chatting in the lab. And he didn't know for very long before he died, to be fair. So if he feels guilty about it, I don't think he should be feeling guilty about it. But it's definitely something he can do right now. But Maze is a bit grasping uh, at straws here. So it feels like Ella is an easy, like, well, you are friends. And also, didn't they have like the, the one-time tryst? So, I mean, there is a faction there. So why not try and see if there is something there? And oh my god, it's just Ella is so overwhelmed by all of this. And she doesn't really have the capacity for this interaction right now. But of course, she tries to talk to Dan. I kind of wanted Dan to step to where she was looking, you know? Didn't he? No, he stayed next to Mace. Oh, I thought that because at one point he starts moving and I just figured that he went there. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I was hoping that was going to happen. It's You just made it true in your brain. <laughs> yeah, I just made it true in my brain. It just worked. I was wondering, how does he know about the beaker and he does not know about the board? I do not understand. Because he has atrocious timing, obviously. Clearly. We witnessed his atrocious timing. Ugh. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so I was very, very curious as to what Dan wants Ella to know or to read. So could you place this? What scene this is relating to because it took me ages i don't know how i remembered it but it instantly clicked that it's uh the one time they went to the aztec inca theater yeah to the party church thingy with the demons and charlie nearly being kidnapped and everything it took me ages to figure it out i was like wah, 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 wah. it's the end of season four i believe where eve leaves to find herself and we get a very short cut back into Lux where she's refusing to read on because she feels so fucking used and this was actually one of the moments where I felt the worst for Ella because she's like oh well awesome great of you to for giving me this because I just cleaned up your shit without even knowing it like yay but she reads on and then we finally get some actual Ella appreciation absolutely Arr. Lucifer and Chloe have this short conversation of I wish we could tell her I also wish we could tell her because she is so good and it's just this can read two different ways I feel like I think that the way Dan is intending this to be for Ella to see how much they care about her and how much they wanted to tell her but also it can 
reads the way Ella sees it and that's from the other side that she was so close to discover this so many times and it would have taken just a little tiny push from them for this to get revealed and for her to figure this out and they never actually did that push so it feels to her like they didn't trust her enough to let her take that final step so as much as I see what Dan is trying to do I also understand why it doesn't work but now we go into the penthouse we finally get to see why and how is Chloe dealing with this whole situation and what is she focusing on and hyperfixating on in this book did not see that coming did not see her interpretation coming at all but I absolutely love it because you only think I'm perfect because you haven't seen me at all worse because you're never there wow I mean it is absolutely fair that she makes this jump yes she's not wrong there is precedent for that but still it's like I did not see that coming I was expecting blame the you're never here or something I did not see the you only think I'm perfect because you haven't seen me at my worst see this is the kind of a beauty of the relationship is and this is what makes it so real neither of them is perfect and they know that about themselves but not about the other person the other person <laughs> as but that's the beauty of love right like if you are in love with somebody you don't see their mistakes no 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 so a no first and foremost only lucifer sees no flaws in chloe i'm pretty sure chloe sees lucifer's flaws b when you're in love you like someone not despite but also because of their flaws you're not blind to them you just find them endearing and you really need to watch our flag means death no they continue their conversation and of course she starts going in about detail about the whole self-actualization part and she really hits the nail on the head with all of this she is really really good with this there's only one thing that i didn't agree on and that is she goes for so many years when she talks about him and a she hasn't known him for so many years and she definitely has not known for so many years that he is actually an angel eh, yeah that's probably a good point so there was a bit of a hyperbole there so um <laughs> do you know what i love about this scene i love that lucifer stands up for himself because he knows that he's better than that he says I do not accept that there would be any reason for me to leave because I don't want to leave. It's my choice. And choice again! Choice! Free will! Yeah. I have the perfect shirt on. I have the, if nothing we do matters, all that matters is what we do, which is also choice! So this is a really nice kind of ending of their conversation. Yeah. He says, I've grown, I've changed. I am so proud of him. Because he would have never said, even a season ago, if he said something like that, we'd be like, oh yeah, sure you did. And now we're like, yes, yes, you did. Of course, he negates this in the next scene when we go back to the penthouse, but it's still Lucifer, you know? <laughs> Obviously, one step forward, two steps back. Exactly. That is very Lucifer, so it's actually really in character. But before he negates, it's this wonderful sentence. We go back to Lux because we need to confront Linda. Well, at least Lucifer thinks we need to confront Linda because, oh, wow, of course he finds the fault somewhere else. And the thing is, as much of a problem as I have with Linda's behavior 
about the whole book and everything. She is absolutely correct that she, as his therapist, is not supposed to give him answers. She is supposed to walk right next to him and sometimes ask the right question to help him find his own answers. So her later on actually handing over the ending is bad therapy, to put it simple. To be fair, the ending doesn't actually have any conclusions in it. I know, I know, but still, like, her handing over a potential ending would be very, very bad therapy. But of course, her initially refusing to hand over the ending is a catalyst for Lucifer's self-doubt. Because now he believes that Linda does not believe in him. Yep, the fact that Lucifer now thinks that Linda is convinced that he'll fail ends this party. So everybody starts gathering their things and leave to leave. Except for Dan, because he doesn't really have anywhere to go, which is one of the saddest things that we've heard the entire episode. Uh, well, no, because Ella, but it's still sad. <laughs> That's why I said saying one of the and not the saddest, because normal circumstances, it would definitely be the saddest. It is so, so sad to see him at the bar and ghost drinking the whiskey there. But Mace... Mace is the best. Praise be Mace is my note. Finally, Mace finds a way to truly help Dan out of this situation. We don't know the implications. Yeah, as happy as I am for him, I had no need to relive his death. This was very painful to watch. I'm still not over this. I'm very good at disengaging with these things, so... I had not realized that I was still not over this, but I'm still not over this. (laughs) Which was unexpected. (laughs) It helps me when I actually make my notes and I stop the episode to write something down. It helps me get from the emotion and kind of just like... Okay, but yes, this was not great when I was watching it the first time. This time I had to take a little bit of a breather and then again later before the next montage we're gonna get in a couple of scenes. When I like press the stop to write down some things and notes and names, it gave me enough of a buffer that I was able to get through it without fully on sobbing. Yeah, but I, I hadn't realized that I was this much not over it. And like you said, we do not get the revelation of what he realizes, but at least now we have hope for him, which is way more than we had before. So I'm tentatively happy for him. <laughs> Same. <laughs> at least now he has a direction. And I appreciate that because he's been like waddling around, not really being able to figure out what to do next for episodes and episodes. And we've been complaining about this as well. So I am glad that finally we have something to focus on. We go back into the penthouse and Lucifer is being Lucifer by going to the other extreme, saying that he has no capacity for change after he just said that he has grown and changed. Yep. I am very disappointed in the fact that he idealizes Chloe and he puts himself down. I'm annoyed because he is better than this and he knows it he is stronger he's more just he's more filled with love more loving and open and everything than he was a year ago not to mention five years ago or a thousand years ago he has changed so much and I want him to have the capacity to admit this to himself you do get that in a tiny bit later but in this scene it makes sense to me that he idolizes Chloe and that he is aware that he (laughs) oh yeah oh yeah He knows that. So that made it better for me that he has this awareness. And also I really, really appreciated his absolute unconditional acceptance of her going back to the LAPD because it is part of who she is. So that was incredibly sweet for me. 
It was a lovely conversation they have. I love how it kind of connects to what they talked about in the previous scene, but also now we're not only talking about Lucifer and him sharing his problems and his worries and his fears. We finally have it both-sided. So Chloe not only shares the LAPD bit, but she also starts talking about her fears regarding Rory and her wings and something that's been consuming her ever since she saw Rory's wings for the first time. We have actual conversation happening, which, about damn time! But obviously, since this is still a TV show, they have the worst of timings because Rory has been listening. Oh yeah, and not only she's been listening this, to this conversation, she's been listening to the previous one as well. So I just imagine her sitting behind the plant, kind of like peeking from <laughs> behind the plant. It's like, are they talking about me? Are they talking about me? Wait, now they're talking about me. I can come out. You know, the, the Snape factor. Yeah, I was about to say, it's the Snape thing. Rory's blind worship of her mother is grating on me. It's worrying. Yes, absolutely. It's unhealthy. It's worrying, but it's also getting on my nerves. <laughs> yes, I am aware that Chloe is super cop, super mom, super Chloe, super everything. And this has been the case the entire show. And I have grown to really appreciate Chloe as a character. But this is giving me fucking flashbacks of me disliking Chloe's character because she's so fucking perfect. I had a weird flashback to my pre-podcast emotions about Chloe, basically, because I really didn't like her. And just like a second, it, it reared its head. It was like, that's why you didn't like her. Arr! So <laughs> I was like, Rory, shut up. Yes, you have a thing for your mom. Great. But then, speaking of aiming, Lucifer is like, you know what? This is such a lucidad moment when he's like, you are my child. I know how I feel about you. And I am your father. And I demand you to shoot me. <laughs> I'm going is... to prove it to you by demanding that you shoot me. And Chloe is like, we don't shoot each other in the family. Oh, yes, you do. I love how... Rory is like, I think we established that we did. Yes, yes, we did. So she shoots him. And of course, we have to drag this moment out. She's like, oh, no, I knew it. And then he lifts the hand and it's bloody. And then, of course, he has to fall down. He collapses. It's so funny. It's like, see? He also collapsed when Chloe shot him, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is a deliberate parallel. Yeah, deliberate parallel, even with the fact that Rory shoots him into the same spot. And just to make sure that we remember it, we have just seen this in one of the flashbacks as well. We could see where he was shot, so it worked out well. I'm gonna say it here. This is all a bit rushed and very convenient for me. Which part? The whole, like, uh, how to fix the self-actualization stuff. It's like, I love you and I'm gonna prove it to you, so shoot me and then we're good? Really? I think... They needed to pin it down to something that is really, really important. Something that he is confident that he's going to be able to do. He doesn't know her. How can he actually love her? It's his child. Yes, yeah, so what? People usually like their children. Yeah, because they grow up with them. No, no, you don't st start loving your child when you get to know him. No, you push them out and then... As a woman, yes. No, men also have the chemicals that help, you, help them bond with their child. And then you create this bond over time and years and everything. If someone just shows up, and goes like, hey, yo, I'm your daughter. You don't have 
have an automatic emotional connection to that person. That's not how it works. I'm not going to debate you on this because I don't have children and I have zero idea. But like I've always assumed that if you want to have children and if you accept that this is your child, it's your child, like it's your blood, you're going to feel emotional connection to it. Emotional connection? Okay, I give you that. But not the, oh, I love you deeply enough to be able to overcome this thing that I have never been able to consciously control. I would have believed it more if it had been for Chloe, you know? But that wouldn't really drive the point home, would it? I know, I know. But this to me is a bit too convenient. So I complained about it now. We can move on. <laughs> let's move on. I think it's a lovely piece of writing for me, but let's move on. Enter Linda. Linda has the best timing as per usual. And she returns with the book. And of course, she comments on the fact that what the fuck's going on? But ah, we ignore it. We have a beautiful camera transition over the Yggdrasil tree lamp. And I just want to point out this lamp is so incredibly pretty. Wow. I really, really love this lamp. <laughs> I've seen it before. And every single time I see it, it's like you stop and you really look at it. It's just such a beautiful piece of thing. It's great. It took me a while to realize that this is not reality that we're seeing. I was going to ask you how long did it take you because to me the first moment when Lucifer turns around and he's like he has his jacket on he has his bow tie tied and he's like all nice and I was like why would he put himself together after spending a whole night reading a book and then it kind of dawned on me it's like oh this seems a little bit too perfect socks and sandals is when I was sure this is not real Lucifer would never wear that and this is again a moment where I wrote down something and then shortly after a character says exactly what I wrote down because Lucifer says socks and sandals really so that made me incredibly happy Perfection. but yes to me I believe when I was watching it the first time it dawned on me during the speech when he ha- sits <laughs> yes, on the yes. throne and he starts when he starts listing off all the titles all the doctorates I'm like Lucifer would never remember this amount of doctorates no fucking way and then he goes as the best therapist in the world yeah not even as a god he would remember this I feel like I feel like he would choose not to remember something like that even though he technically knows it because he knows all exactly because he was like no no and then of course we cut back and we have the whole Linda feels like she fails which is why she wrote this self-congratulatory ending so it's like a hot potato the the self-blame is kind of being thrown all over the room and i'm saying the world is fucking ending everybody failed well in my opinion nobody actually failed so i was very very unhappy in a previous scene like i said it felt rushed with everything and they at least tried to make it make sense because linda explains that you now finally have your subconscious and your conscious mind in concert and that is what you need to be able to have a certain amount of control of your self-actualization and so that makes sense in canon i'm okay-ish with it i still feel like it was rushed i would have preferred to have like a bit more episodes i know we only get the 10 i would have liked more space for this process and all the while this is happening we see rory speed reading i can only assume the entire book oh yeah she's speed reading in the back all the time which is very nicely done because now lucifer is standing there and he's popping out his wings and it works. It's like, yay, awesome, woo woo. <laughs> he says, I am ready to be God, but I am choosing not to be. And I feel like this is one of my favorite lines because this is the essence. This is the choice part. I mean, the world is still ending, so it's like kind of, okay, let's see what 
the cost for your choice is going to be. But I'm happy that he is now making this deliberate choice. But he also has this, I don't know what my, my, my purpose is speech and everything. But it's not this. And I feel like this is very human. The first step is knowing what you don't want. Because that is easier than knowing what you want, usually. A way to find out what you want is to figure out what you don't want. I feel like it's easier to start on the, okay, I don't want this, I don't want this. And by elimination, basically narrow it down a tiny bit and then look more closely on a few other things and then maybe have a chance on figuring out what you actually want. So this is a very human thing, I feel. And I really, really like this. And now we get confirmation that Rory read the book. And that is very sweet and also very cringy because those are her parents. We have a moment between Chloe and Lucifer that inspires Rory coming up to them. He looks at Chloe and says, I hope you're not disappointed in me for this decision. And she's like, I could never be disappointed in you. Which is just such a beautiful moment between the two of them. Also, it's a mirror of the previous conversation with the, it's who you are. Yeah, exactly. It's beautiful that we get like a really deep look into their relationship. Some things that we've seen already, but like they're just really nice and concentrated. And Rory gets to see them most importantly and she comes in and she literally sped read the entire book in the last two minutes she's a fucking angel she's a fucking angel i'm fine with that and she says i didn't understand why you would love him so much but now i see that he also loves you i see both sides and we we get the montage and at this point i had to stop because there is a song and i needed to write down the name of the song and the artist and also i needed to take a little breather because i could feel that my eyes are watering already and it didn't even fucking start i remember when i was watching this the first time i was bawling it's a really really good decastar montage the the song to get it out of the way is by jacob banks and it's called found and I would like to know if they, the creators, decided to throw their hats into the ring for the best fun-made ship video in history. Because this could be on YouTube. It's that good. This is like one of the really, really good fan-made videos. And... <sighs> Okay, so there has been the show Supernatural that also ended. And we also get a montage when that show ends. And it's one of the shittiest montages ever. In I think in the last episode when they played Carry On My Way with Sunset oh. twice. It was one of the worst montages for me. And the Supernatural fandom has amazing fan montages. Absolutely breathtaking, heartbreaking, brilliant, with different focus. Like, you have focus for the two brothers, you have focus team free will, you have focus uh, on the girls. Like, there's like all the different ones. And there are so many fucking amazing. And then you look at the actual show and they make a summoning, uh, summarizing the entire show montage, basically. And it's shit. And I say, I haven't seen many fan edits of Lucifer fan videos, but I assume that the Lucifer fandom is just as good when it comes to fan edits, when it comes to Lucifer. 
whatever. And the showrunners here obviously took inspiration on how to make a really good this is our show, this has been our journey. This is where we started, these were the stops in between, these were the relevant moments. Have a song that is gonna break your heart while making you also happy cry. This is just so perfect. The key to a good montage is it needs to make you feel. That's the only rule. It needs to make you feel. And if you manage to put scenes together in a way that it's gonna remind you all the reasons why you love this show and why you love this specific couple at this point, and you find a song which lyrics go pretty much, I don't know what I would have done if I didn't find you. And Lucifer has proven time again and again and again that their song choices are on point. Perfection. If you put together the right scenes and then you pick a perfect song, it's a recipe for something beautiful and the emotional reaction is there. They absolutely fucking aced this. Tears don't lie. Just wow. And as much as I'm still on my okay, the, the Rory progression is rushed as fuck, this Star wrap up? Hell yeah. But thankfully, Linda is still there and Linda is the voice of reason. Dr. Baskill, you mean? No, voice of reason. Because there is still a fucking end of the world happening. So can we maybe please focus? Eh, pish posh, it's fine. Amanil's gonna figure it out. Mm-hmm, yeah. Ah, all right, it's time to go in front of Lux because Ella is being picked up by Carol. All I have to say is those two are so fucking cute together and I love them. They're a perfect match. I love it. And I am very happy that Ella has somebody in her life that she can talk to. And simultaneously, it helps her cope with what is happening in the rest of the episode. Because what he says is something that we've been hinting hinting on for the entire episode. And she just needed to hear it from somebody who's outside of this situation. He says, I don't need to know every single detail about you to know your heart. Also, they couldn't resist the whole, you got any of those friends, where whenever they have a problem, it's like the world is ending. It's still the Lucifer, Lucifer writers. They obviously had to do this. Obviously, but also, really? <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah. I don't have anything else for the scene except that those two are fucking perfect. Same. So now we get to watch Linda burn her biggest and best professional accomplishment. So apparently Lucifer flew her home, I would assume. I would assume so, yeah. Right? Good. So he flew her home. She burns the book, which makes sense because he didn't actually consent to being part of her case study. And it is extremely personal and easily placeable. But I also assume she wrote it on a computer, so she still has to file. So maybe in the future, she is going to do a redraft. And this is still the show that we are watching. So I am going to stick with my head canon. I love, and this is again proving Lucifer's growth let's say, that he is here trying to lift Linda's spirits. He tells her that she made him a better man. And I can't but agree. And I understand that she had a swift moment of self-doubt because who wouldn't? Also, he was a very exasperating patient. Exactly. And you know what? It doesn't matter that he doesn't have an ending right now, that he doesn't know right now what he's going to do or whatever. That's also not the point of therapy. You are never done done in that sense with therapy but 
you are done with a certain chapter. And actually, when you have a good therapist, what you in between, like on a basic regular interval should do is like, okay, you define a goal. What is the first benchmark that you want to reach? And then when you reach that, you actually take a break and you reevaluate and then you get together again. And then you talk about, okay, do I have another benchmark? Or am I happy where I'm at now? And then maybe once in a while I need like a check-in or something. Or if something big unforeseen happens, then I might come back for a few more additional sessions. So this is a super healthy approach because this is not going to be the last time the two of them have a therapy-like conversation. But he is done with the first stretch. And it took a while, but I am happy. Given how therapy works Actually, five years isn't that bad, given how deep his issues were and how many he had. That's fair. (laughs) But then she falls asleep in his arms, which is so adorable. And standing up as well. Yes. I mean, he looks very sleepable on, you know? like He is very huggable size and he gives good hugs. Let's put it that way. We know. I mean, I know. Uh, You know. I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Still haven't met him. Thank you, COVID. So we are going to go to the last scene, which is a very brief intrigue setting for the last two episodes. There's a song playing. There is a song playing. Do you have a title? We do have a title. Because I really, really like this song. <laughs> I actually was kind of hoping that this was going to be your devil to the details, uh, your devil to the music. So, Well, now you can take it for yourself. I might. We give each other gifts like this so lucifer comes back to the penthouse and puts on a vinyl and it is by big john hamilton and it's called i just want to thank you which is beautiful in the spirits of what we just saw with linda and i also just want to thank you lucifer for being amazing but this doesn't last because we hear wings and Amenadiel enters. Who forgot about Ames? Me. Oh, I didn't. I didn't. And he says that he figured it out. But of course, we have two more episodes to go, so they don't tell us. And so we end this episode on the very ominous Ames says being ominous. Uh-oh. This episode... As much as I loved some of the details, the book itself, as I mentioned, just didn't make all the sense to me. There were a little issues that I've had. Linda has been obsessed with it for so many episodes and then she just ends up burning it. But we did get a throwback or flashback episode with a twist so I can get behind it overall. Ella finally learns everything and by that I mean everything while also realizing it's not that easy to share everything with somebody who doesn't know but most importantly I love the emotional journey we go on with Lucifer him Chloe and Rory all bring some very good points but manage to solve them as a family as a unit and Lucifer making the decision to stay and not becoming God is something we as viewers knew for quite some time, but he finally found his way to it. I am intrigued by Ames's findings and where we go from there with this whole no God situation. So bring it on. Where do we go from here? You still need to watch Buffy. There's a song. <laughs> Sorry. There's always a song. Yes. What was it on Ella's whiteboard? Sock it to me, baby. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So, Lucifer's therapy has apparently come to a conclusion and 
while it does feel a bit rushed for me, it also makes a lot of sense. He still struggles with many things, but Linda has taught him the tools how to proceed with his life. He might still go to her once in a while, but I think he has grown enough to not need regular therapy sessions anymore. Speaking of rushed, the reconciliation between Rory and Lucifer is way rushed. She shoots him, and yay, that means all is forgiven. So was her issue that she thought Lucifer didn't love her? Or was her issue that he abandons her and Chloe in a few days' time and never returns? Her reading the book is great, because this way she has a better understanding of him and her parents in general. But I do not buy her getting over her angst and anger just like that. I cannot wait what Dan figured out as his solution. And I'm so happy that May said exactly what we've been saying about hell loops. Like I said several times, in general, I had so many moments where characters said my exact words back to me. So I'm very happy. Is it great when a show proves us right? Oh yes, absolutely. I love Carol and Ella as a couple. And I fully understand how hurt Ella is in this whole situation. I think rationally she understands, especially at the end of the episode, that this was the way it had to be. There was no other way this could have gone. But rationally knowing does not change the hurt feelings in sight. And she's going to need a bit of time to work through the feelings. Last scene, of course, is ominous as fuck. So let's see what Amenadiel discovered while he was in the Silver City. And with this, we say thank you for listening. Please find us on our various social media. We love interacting with you, either over there or when you send us emails to lucifer at taot-podcast.com. If you want to get even more personal and have secret chats with us on our exclusive Discord server, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash taotpodcast. We have a whole bunch of different rewards, such as early release, merch and hours of bonus content. Yes, hours. If that sounds like too much pressure, you can help the show by leaving positive iTunes reviews. They really do help. Or telling all your friends about us because nothing beats a personal recommendation. Thank, Thank you. you! Bye! Bye.